Now the story of an eclectic fan base who lost touch with reality and the one podcast that somehow holds them all together. It's the Substandard Expanded Universe. Welcome to the 56th episode of the SSEU podcast, hosted by myself, Thomas, Chris, and Ryan. You can research, reach us at sseupod at gmail.com and find our podcast on any of the usual apps where you normally find podcasts. If you like it, rate us, give a review, email us, tweet at JVL, all of the things that you usually do. With us today is a very exciting guest who has been on the podcast one time before. Uh, after that, he got lost in his roundabout in Kansas and could not find his way back to a computer. And he's been out putting flags in poo. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. How is the flag poop going? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know this story. Uh, I just saw this story today. It's out of Springfield, Missouri, actually. Oh. Where uh, same thing, right? Kansas, Missouri. Yeah, where apparently near the roundabout, people are uh, not cleaning up after their dogs, and so uh, the city, I guess it's the city or somebody associated, <laughs> are going around uh, literally flagging the uh, the poop with little flags that says, "quote." Is this your turd? Because that's absurd. Oh <laughs> I mean, they're I going to all the effort of marking it, but not picking it up. Right. And they're, they're thinking that, I guess, people will be shamed into start, starting to clean up. But, like, How does I that think, shame anybody? Like, you... It, that just it that, right? Hours <laughs> after their dog pooped there. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, like, avoid the poop and step around it. Oh yeah, like it was like hidden. Yeah, like you know? I would just definitely spread it out everywhere. I, like if I had been picking up my poop, I would stop just right? so I could see how many <laughs> flags I could get. Wait, Ryan, where what do you this poop the most? Right? <laughs> no, but it, really, if they wanted to shame people, they should hide in in the bushes or something and take a photo and then print out the photo on a Polaroid and put that on the flag oh. in the poop. Yeah, Thomas, that would you should that. That would make sense because you should they, email the city of, of Springfield with that suggestion. Yeah. S- Springfield, Missouri, home to Missouri State, the Grizzlies, the Bears, something like that. I can't remember. Also, the home to Brad Pitt's brother, who owns a car dealership there. Second most famous Pitt. My little sister used to live just outside of Springfield, and it like, it like, it like all the news, local news channels. It's like Brad Pitt watch is coming to visit. And yeah, it's like uh, Brad Pitt's brother had a phone conversation with his brother. Right. Doesn't Springfield also have a really big Bass Pro Shop? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thomas, how do you know that? I've been there. D- did you go there to get noodling supplies? Oh, no, let's not talk about that. Uh, speaking of flag, so the other day I was at a dinner here at ASU uh, together with a bunch of academics, a few politicians, people from the community who think that they care about politics. I don't know, but whatever. Uh, so we were there to re- listen to uh, Ramesh Panuro of uh, National Review and Dave Leonhardt uh, from the New York Times. But I ran into this one woman 
uh, who last year when Flagg was on a sabbatical and he was at Princeton, uh, this woman was at Princeton as a postdoc. I didn't first realize who she was. I, I didn't realize that she knew Flagg. Uh, but then she mentioned that she had actually been at Princeton at this institute. And I was like, oh, Flagg has mentioned her. I know who she is. And we started to talk about Flagg. And within the first minute of talking about Flagg, she brought up the lives of others. <laughs> That's uh, fantastic. I, it, it couldn't be more on brand. Like, <laughs> that's funny that's i mean that is literally the only movie he's ever watched right <laughs> hey timothy uh you know what it's almost yes. christmas movie season yes we're are you just uh, gonna watch christmas town on repeat or will you try out some new movies there is there is a new uh christmas movie coming out there's a, a remake of a christmas carol <laughs> did you hear about this i timothy no no Oh, you're, you're, this is this is the, the this is the craziest thing I read in the two hours between us abandoning the Kurds and um, what the NBA is doing in China. So, go ahead, Jer. So, Apple TV is going to remake a Christmas Carol. They are giving Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell thirty-five and twenty-five million each to produce and star. And that's not all. It's a musical. Right. So, okay. Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. So I'm I'm confused. Are, are are they in the same movie, or are they each making their own movie? It's one movie where the two leads are getting what is that? Sixty million bucks. To yeah. to, to do what? <laughs> well, I think this could be a reimagined as a buddy cop film. That's. Kind of what I'm picturing. I can't imagine spending that kind of money to either of those people for that kind of a movie. I'm trying to find a release date, uh, but I'm not seeing one in the article that I'm looking at. Now, this is Apple is making this. Is it is it going to be released in theaters? The only reason to release it in theaters is for award consideration, right? And nobody's going to. You're telling give... me a musical with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds isn't going to be considered <laughs> for awards? Yeah, so their budget is easily going to be over $100 million. The one uh, starring Jim Carrey had a budget of over $200 million <laughs> and made about 325 Yeah, but that was all like some weird CGI thing, right? Like, wasn't that the bulk of that? I don't know. I, I never like, saw Like, they it. didn't pay Jim Carrey $100 million. All right, Chris, what have you been up to? Well, I I just have a short story to, to share. It's very on brand. I was driving actually to Costco, uh, my favorite store, and I was talking on the phone to my wife, and I look, and someone had just taken their dog out of their car, and I don't know if they'd been in the car for a while, if this was a rural resident of South Dakota who had driven an hour or two to stock up at Costco. But Question, question. Isn't all of South Dakota rural? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, go on. Just check. Anyway, and I'm on the phone with my wife, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just I just watched a dog poop. Like, I look over, and I, like, we didn't lock, we didn't, like, lock eyes, me and the dog, but, I mean, <laughs> I pretty much looked over, he was squatting and pooping in the grass, no, no flag, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just watched a dog poop. And my wife was like, what? And I was like, um, I just watched the dog poop. She was like, oh, a dog. 
She thought I don't know what she thought I heard. What, what she thought I heard. <laughs> if she thought I said like a soft person poop. <laughs> but she's like, oh, oh, just a dog. Okay, a dog. Because <laughs> like dog doesn't rhyme or anything anything, so I don't know if my phone cut out. But um she was relieved that it was just a dog. That's well, all I your your wife's in the medical field. Maybe she thought you said doc. Hey, I just saw a doctor <laughs> pooping. We locked eyes. Like, he knew I caught him. It was really embarrassing for both of us. But uh, speaking of South Dakota, uh, I am coming to South Dakota for Thanksgiving this year. Yes. Uh, what, what are we going to do, Chris? Well, uh, one of the things we're going to do is go to Costco. We, <laughs> we are get, Thomas has never been to Costco. We're going to go to Costco, and we're going to Facebook Live it. We, uh, we might go hiking. Right? Yeah. We'll get a burrito from Nikki's. Maybe some breakfast burritos. Okay. Transition. So I, I went and saw Joker uh, last weekend. And before Joker started, there were a bunch of movie previews. Chris. Thomas. Are you excited about Zombieland? No. No? Zombies are dumb. Yeah, zombies are dumb. But the preview for Zombieland, Double Tap, just... They, they- it, the it cast looks, looks great. Fun. The cast looks great. It does look like a lot of fun. Like, it looks like a movie where you can walk in and sit down in a theater and just laugh for 90 minutes yeah. and then walk out. It not only looks like a good cast, it looks like there's good chemistry too. So it has, I don't know if he's the, the main character, but it has Woody Harrelson. Did you not see the original? No. <laughs> no. Is you're excited about the seat? Yeah. Like. Okay. Did you see the original? Yeah, I've seen it. Surprisingly, was, was the original we, any good? We, we didn't it's all, it's all right. Oh, uh, this was I. Well, I mean, it was ten years ago, so I saw it. It's all yeah. right. It's worth watching. Yeah. So H- Harrison, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Middle Ditch, Luke Wilson, Rosario Dawson. Wait a minute. How's oh? How's Bill Murray in it? I don't know. He's listed under okay. cast. Okay. I mean, well, uh, I'm okay. Well, because he's in the first one, but he dies. <laughs> so I guess he's a, zomb- a flashback or a zombie. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, zombie Bill Murray. Yeah, uh, what's his name? Eisenberg. Uh, yeah, is technically the main character of the first one, but okay. Woody Harrelson is in it, and Emma Stone and whatever that other little girl is. Little- well, she was a little girl at the time. <laughs> I guess she was Emma Stone in the original. Yeah, I didn't even know she'd been around that long. Do you think anyone is going to go see the next Terminator movie? Uh, I define anyone more than 10 I, people. I, I think, I think so. I think some people will be like, they've been so turned off by the previous Genesis and what was it, salvation that they're like, okay, well they're going to pretend like those movies didn't happen. So we'll give this one a chance. And I think they'll get the same experience of any other crappy Terminator. Yeah. Is it chronologically in order, or is it just supposed to be inserted in the middle of the other Terminator movies? Or? From what I gathered, just the little I've looked into it, it's like it takes place as a result of Terminator 2. None of, nothing else has happened. None of those other movies can count. So it's like, it's like retconning the franchise back to this. The events of this are a direct consequence somehow of T2. Okay. Are are we just going to let Thomas say inserting in the middle without making a comment about it? Are we not doing phrasing anymore? 
Either of you going to go see Terminator? Never mind. Tim, Chris, are you going to go see Terminator? <laughs> you act like I go to tons of movies too. No, not a chance. Not only am I not going to see Terminator, I've never seen a single Terminator movie. You really? Have... What? I've never seen a single Terminator movie. But aren't you also in sort of the right age group? I guess. I was never a Schwarzenegger guy. I Well, he's not really in the first one a whole lot. And and I'm not a huge Cameron guy. I I just complete lack of interest in the in the whole franchise. Let's let's move on. Uh, another preview I saw is for the movie 1917 directed yes. by directed by Sam Mendes. This looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, comes out Tuesday, right? Christmas, I believe that's right. I believe it comes out Christmas Day. I wonder if it will be hurt by the fact that the Rise of Skywalker is released around the I same time. I think it'll be counter-programming. I I, yeah, exactly. I don't think there's going to be a big overlap in people like, oh, which should I see? Uh, eh. Yeah, the, the, the people who are going to watch Star Wars five times are going to watch that five times. Well, and, and, and the rest of the people who like... Christmas Vacation is a big movie going to. Right, right. No, there's not going to be families loading up to go see a, a one shot, one take World War One <laughs> movie. It should do well as counter programming. That's that's my guess. So I know Chris isn't a horror guy. Tim, do you enjoy horror movies? I think they're dumb. When Halloween H two O came out, so a group uh, like of my coworkers, we went and saw it, and it was just ridiculous because one of my friends is like freaking out and scared of everything. You see how the person is walking down the hallway by themselves? Like, you know they're going to get killed, so how is this scary? You know, and then, like, of course, the killer jumps out and kills him, and she screams. I'm like, I-, I just told you what was going to happen. Like, I don't understand. So it's just like, I- I'm just not to, my brain's not wired properly to enjoy horror movies. I think the last horror movie I saw in in the theater was shoot what was it called where you had like the cameras throughout the haunted house that they moved in in, or they did something paranormal activity paranormal activity (laughs) and i saw like paranormal activity 2 in theater or something and it was so dumb i I didn't understand why people were scared at any of that stuff it was all predicted predictive and i i i really didn't enjoy it but so does that mean that neither of you are going to go see Dr. Sleep? I'm not uh, familiar with what that is, so no. It's it's a sequel to The Shining, which I'm not a Stephen King guy. I've never made it through the whole Shining movie uh, just because I think it's dumb. Uh, yeah, it's just my I mean, I know people really like it and it's just not my thing. So I don't really care about seeing what happens to the kid grown up or whatever. Is this going to be one of those kind of lower budget Stephen King movies that makes all the money? Uh, it could be. You may, yeah, I mean, there's people. It's a Stephen King movie, so people are going to go see it. Ryan Johnson is coming out with a new movie uh, next month in November. Uh, we are going to be treated to Knives Out. Thoughts? I, it looks intriguing. But the problem is the the trailer I watched was like three minutes long, and I think it was like a minute too long, because <laughs> by the end of the trailer I was just like exhausted because there's so much, you know, like. Imagine how you'll feel after the entire movie. Right, right. Well, then that's kind of what I'm like. It's this the the, the initial setup with uh, what's his name, 
Daniel Craig just kind of sitting there in the in the chair, uh, not saying anything and and being intense and the, the family's around. And I was like, oh, OK, this 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 looks pretty interesting. And then just things keep going up and up and up and twists and the tension keeps rising. And they're like, this is just the trailer. Like, it leaves something for the experience. I'm I'm guessing he's going to totally subvert expectations. That's a, that's a thing that he does. I'll tell you what, uh, Thomas, here's what I'm going to do. I want to buy a ticket for a different movie, and I'm going to go into Ryan Johnson's new movie and take a giant dump <laughs> like right up by the screen, and then I'm going to go home... And I will have paid for a different movie and and not care. Like that's <laughs> I take a dump on like literally on his movie. But you don't want to give him any ticket revenue for it. Exactly. Okay. You, you get me. You okay. get me. Speaking of shooting your wad, Timothy, <laughs> tell us about your top five guns that you own. Your favorite five guns. For those who listen to the past few episodes, they will know that we watched the American and we were really impressed with the gun porn in that movie. And mm-hmm. Tim very helpfully uh, yeah, told us that uh, it's, it's all bad. Or no, it's not all bad, but it's not all realistic. So, right. so yeah, Tim, uh, what, what do you know about guns? Uh, I, I know a little, I would say. You with your facts. What do you own yourself, like Chris said? What, what are your uh, favorite weapons in your armory? Uh, let's see. Well, top five. Two fists. Uh, number one would be my Ruger Mark II target pistol. Uh, I got it as a high school graduation gift from my parents. I've probably put, I don't know, 20,000 rounds through it, probably. And it's a lot of shooting. Almost 30 years. Yeah. Uh, 22s are just fun to shoot. You can shoot them all day. Um, are you, are you, are you only shooting blanks? Um, he has two children that are evidence that he's not oh right okay sorry go on Tim you know two for five that's uh, (laughs) major league stats Um, (laughs) Hall of Fame stats yeah batting 400 yeah yeah Um, something I I I should have mentioned with the American thing if if the problem with shooting the the cartridges with that low of velocity is they probably aren't powerful enough to work the action uh, on that mm-hmm. rifle. So any any semi-automatic rifle that uses sub uh, subsonic ammunition usually has an adjustable uh, gas system, so they can dial it to uh, work better. But Question. anyway, yes. How old was Abigail when you bought her her first gun? Do BB guns count? Sure. Uh, then two. Sawed-off shotgun at age three. AR-15 and H-4. <laughs> does, does Joshua have his own, own gun yet? Has he come with you to go shoot? Not yet, just because he's always been weird about sound, Good, loud yeah. noise. Like, like uh, just in the past couple years, the automatic urinals and bathrooms, mm-hmm. that, like, big problem. Uh, how, about, how about the hand dryers? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like, yeah. you know, and so, like, you know, we go into a public bathroom and, you know, his hands immediately go over his ears or, you know, he doesn't do that anymore, but he did that through, through, you know, first grade. So, Question. Yes. Being a red state resident, I believe you've told stories about eating some, can we say exotic meats? Uh, would you share with the class some of the more exotic things you've eaten from squirrel to, you know, 
Uh, well, but see, that's not really exotic. Um, well, it is. It uh, look, uh, because well, they're. The idea of eating it is probably not uh, something most people would consider, but I mean, squirrel are everywhere. I, I had when I first arrived. Well, so are horses, but Thomas eats horse. I don't know if you remember this from the early episodes. Like uh, horse cold cuts are a common thing in Sweden. It's uh, delicious. Uh, yeah, that's it's common uh, elsewhere. I, I had friends that uh, um, would go to Kazakhstan in the summer to teach English, and uh, yeah, horse meat there is common so but but for denizens of, of pan am like would you share you may well, thought not think of it as exotic but what are some what were some sort of wild game that you've that you've eaten well uh growing up squirrel uh actually that's actually probably my favorite food like if i was your favorite food if i was yeah if i was gonna you so know not, not your favorite wild game you're saying right. your favorite food right like last meal i'm you know I'm going to the electric chair. It would be fried squirrel with uh, mashed potatoes and gravy. But there isn't any meat on the squirrel. There is meat on the squirrel. The squirrel. That's like saying there's no meat on chicken wings. But chicken wings are good, right? <laughs> so the secret with squirrel is, it's first of all, it's all red meat, uh, but it's very tough. So what you have to do is you need an. I'll give it. So if you're if you're listening at home, so get out a piece of paper and a pencil. <laughs> and uh so the secret People definitely is still have those right so the secret is you've got to uh cook it for a, a, a long time you bread it and fry it just like you would chicken but before it's quite done so you just when it when the breading starts to turn brown you turn the heat way down you put about well you want to cover about a third of the way up of the piece you put water in the bottom of the pan and then you cover it and that simmers and steams. Do that for 45 minutes to an hour. Then you take the lid off and turn the heat back up. You cook off the rest of the water, and then you crisp up the breading. And that tenderizes it. Because if you don't do that, and you just fry it like you would um, squirrel or rabbit, uh, yeah. it's almost impossible to eat. But the squirrel, the, the, you know, because the squirrel's just all muscle, right? Every, they climb trees and run and jump, so... Uh, question: What what yes. what do you hunt squirrel with? Most common is twenty two. You can use a shotgun, which is what I started when I was a kid. Okay. So I had or a twenty eight or something. Oh yeah, or twenty eight gauge, which okay. isn't so co uh, common anymore. The problem with that is you have to get close, but not too close, uh, and then you have to dig the. Pit. I don't know. Like squirrels seem like like they're so domesticated. <laughs> It seemed like they'd be pretty easy well, to hunt. You're, but you're, you're, you can't go hunting in a park where they're used to people. So you've got to go into the hardwoods, and okay. they're really skittish. And you know, so uh, are we? Are we really not doing phrasing? So a scoped twenty-two. Now, what we didn't know, and we've never tried growing up, but in there is a squirrel uh, cuisine just, is I, is can, popular. Can just, just point out. Yes. That what you that you're basically speaking Japanese to most people. Like you're you're talking about like hunting and cooking up squirrel, and I think you are blowing the minds of some of our listeners. I just want to point well, that. Out. Okay. Like this is well, a what? Tuesday for you, but but <laughs> hey, I'm loving this. June June first, squirrel season opens in Kansas. You got to wait for the mulberries to get on the trees, and best hunting is in the fall. But you said it's your favorite fruit. Uh, yeah, well, but it because you know you get it once a year, maybe. 
oh, you know, okay. growing up, and I, I, you know, it's been a while since I've had it. I don't have time, and where so, I live now, there's yeah. So, well, it's, who has the time? Like this, this you describing the cooking? Like that's a lot of work. Like, well, the cooking is you. You started at you know three o'clock. If you want to eat at five, that's it's not that big of a deal. You, you've only mentioned squirrel so far. Oh, oh uh, can we hear some uh, other so, game. So squirrel and rabbit, uh, doves. Uh, dove dove is fab fabulous. Um, we I grew up in eastern Kansas, so there weren't a lot of pheasant around. Uh, but every once in a while, my dad would go on a trip uh, with his had a friend that lived out west and would bring back pheasant. So pheasant's good. Uh, deer, of course, it's hard to beat. What about geese? Because I see those fuckers in parking lots of malls <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Well, these are terrible eating, aren't they? Aren't they yes. really dry? Well, here's here's the thing. So, I, I've never been a duck hunter or a waterfowl hunter. The, the guys that are eat up with it, I mean, it's it becomes an obsession, right? When they talk about preparing it, it's always okay. So you take it and then you 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 know you marinate it for a day and then you put this rub on it and then you wrap it in bacon and then you got to put it in and then you put it so like. By the time they're done with all yeah. this preparation for it, it's like, you know, you could probably cook a boot. It'd be just as edible with after all this stuff you've done to it. So I oh, that's had... Fe- pheasant is actually quite good. Pheasant is, yeah, very good. And duck is really fatty and, and the duck is better, but fe- go- geese are terrible. Uh, supposedly, depending on what species you get, it's, you know, variable outcomes, but yeah. It, it, like you're, it's cold and you're miserable and you gotta be in the water and you know. Let's just really say it's not, off. it's not, it's no horse cold cut. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds right. Like there's something, there's nothing that sounds more miserable to me than than duck hunting. Like right, you get up at the crack, like before the crack of dawn, so you can huddle in a duck blind for hours in the freezing cold of of. Well, and you need, you know, $150 waders, and you got to have all this insulated clothing, and then you got to have the decoys, and you need a good retriever, and, you know, it's just all the stuff associated with it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what uh, is the appeal for some people. It's, yeah. Now, I haven't heard you say anything about fishing. So are you saying you're not a noodler? Not a noodler. Uh, Bluegill is what... uh, So so you you fish with, with live bait. I was I was always just a night crawler guy. I yep. never I l- using lures to go after bass. It's like why why am I going to do all the work? Let the, let the fish come to the hook. Well, you, you mentioned one gun. Do you have any other guns you'd like to to, uh, uh, to describe? Well, let's see. So my first deer rifle is the a, a Seiko uh, two forty three that I shot a lot of deer with. But then um, how much RAM does it have? <laughs> uh, Seiko like the watch brand? No, it's S A K O. I oh, okay. All right. think All right. it's Norwegian. Oh, I, I think yeah. Right. Um, uh, two forty three pushes a uh, the load I I usually use is a ninety five <laughs> grain bullet. Pricing. Uh, <laughs> uh, you got to work in your load management. I think <laughs> my eyes are getting so bad that I can't really look through a scope anymore. Uh, they just fatigue too fast. So then my next rifle of choice is I've got a uh, pattern or a model 1917 U.S. Enfield. It's a World War One era rifle. Basically, the 
the United States entered the war, but not on war footing. So they couldn't make enough of their Springfield rifles to supply the troops. During the early stages of the war, the British military couldn't make enough infields. They were looking at maybe replacing the infield with bringing in components from the German-style Mauser rifle. Uh, so they developed what was called the Pattern 1914 uh, infield rifle. They had contracts with Winchester and a couple other. They made some for their sniper corps, but then the basically the troop losses during that early phase of the war was so great that, well, they didn't really have a rifle shortage anymore because the rifles were still around. Um, so then when the United States entered the war, they were like, hey, we've got this rifle that's ready to go. So they made a few changes and then the, the tooling was all there and they could spin those up and put them out. Tim, uh, I didn't realize that you participated in the First World War. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's 30 out six. Uh, it's got nice uh, rear aperture sight. Um, so that's that's uh, not what I shot the last year. The, the last year I shot, actually, I had at the time uh, a uh, World War II era infield rifle in 303, and that's what I used to shoot uh, the last year I shot. From guns to uh, advice, Chris. Yes. You guys ready to give some advice? Timothy, you ready? I'll, I'll do my best. All right. My mom died a few years ago and left oh, substantial I'm... assets. She was an heiress of sorts, and she left the assets to my father with the understanding that whatever was left over after he passed would be willed to my two siblings and me, which sat just fine with all of us. As I work in wealth management, my dad gave me access to the portfolio and accounts to keep an eye on them and to make sure that everything was performing at its best. Last year, my father remarried to a, to a woman with a college-aged children. I like them just fine, but haven't made a point of getting home to spend time with them much. My father revealed to me a few months ago that he was changing his will to leave a, a huge majority of the assets to his wife and her family. My siblings and I are all quite comfortable on our own, and I frankly expected this type of action eventually. I thought it went without saying that I would no longer take time out of my schedule to care for funds that I no longer have a stake in. But my dad asked me at lunch with most of our families in attendance how a certain account was doing, and I responded that I hadn't looked at his portfolio since he disinherited my siblings and me. Everyone got noticeably quiet and awkward. And I changed the subject. My father called me later to say that his wife and stepkids were, were upset that I had spoken hostily about money, which struck me as off. But I do have Asperger's, so I have missed cues before. I clarified that I wasn't really bothered by the disinheritance, but I would continue to call the situation as I saw it. He's irate that I told him to hire outside help to manage his money. I am open to the possibility that I am in the wrong. Please advise. Chris, do, do you have any deeper thoughts on this issue? Yeah, I, yeah. I think that, that this person probably should have been a little bit more direct rather than being like, well, I, you know, I just stopped caring about it and, you know, left the I just stopped managing the money. I, I totally understand that. Like, it's not fair to ask. Like it takes time to manage money and to and to to watch it and and to move it around um, into funds that are performing better and worse and and so to expect 
um, someone to do that just for free out of the goodness of their heart, especially after you've disinherited them. That's not right. But before before you do this, I, I just think it's important uh, before all decisions to just spend some time in prayer. Um, probably if if you haven't been worshiping weekly at church, you should probably be there. Um, and uh, as as the weeks go on, as as you receive word and sacrament and confession and absolution, um, you should move towards a place where you can make a better decision than you made. That's my advice. So here, here's what I think. So, so you say that some of this money is invested in like stocks or bonds or whatever, right? Not bondage, Thomas. Bonds, like. Oh, okay. So, are we? Did, did you say the name of the person writing this? Uh, no. No, or so we're not supposed to mention Cameron by name. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. So, so let's not do that. If you go to New York and you go to Wall Street and you get up on Wall Street and you go to uh, Wall Street and William Street at that intersection, you can walk down into the Wall Street station. And when you get down there, I suggest taking, taking a right uh, to the tracks. And then while you're standing there, wait for a train and then just throw yourself onto the tracks. So that's the solution to being disinherited. Like we're gonna we're gonna jump to to throwing yourself in front of a train. Is being disinherited is that gonna be a problem anymore? I, I guess not. You're no, gonna be exactly. strewn about along the tracks. Okay, all right. Timothy, do you, do you have anything for this person? Uh, well, are we assuming this person was competent at their job? Because I, I think how... this person was competent. Okay, but, you know we're we're giving this person advice, so. Okay, cool. Because I mean, we're they're, they're honest because they weren't like, like uh, you know, shuffling the funds around to steal from the get go. Uh, so that we've got that going for him uh, or her. Um, I just I don't think it's I don't think it's a she. Do you think? Do you think you would, the dad would have left a girl to manage the money? A lady. I make no. Are ladies allowed to manage money? It's just the, the the I mean ignore Chris. Go on. Tim. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just this whole thing is puzzling. It's like oh, we were gonna get left money, but we don't need it. So I'm just trying to like. So the dad is mad because just the way it was brought up. Like I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand who's mad at what and what the issue is. Apparently they don't care about the money. So he was just mad. That they're no longer managing his funds and the way it was handled at dinner. But then the dad brought it up at dinner. Like, and nothing about this makes sense to me. Maybe. <laughs> so do you, so with, with that said, do you have any advice? I forget the question. Now, what, what are they mad about again? <laughs> about their relationship with their dad or what they're supposed to do with his money? Can, can you just say this for me? Uh, just repeat after me. <laughs> I think he should probably buy a gun. Well, no, that's a whole other. That's just that's that's not a simple thing either. That's just common sense. <laughs> wow. Transition for this week, we have watched, suffered through, enjoyed, laughed wait, 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 at, wait, 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 wait. cried wait, wait. with. Wait, wait. Transition. So, 
Uh, I mentioned that I went to see the Joker earlier, and as most of you are probably aware by now, Joker, I keep saying the Joker, sort of like it's the Ukraine. Uh, but anyway, Joker was in movie theaters, and I went to see it. And afterwards, I came out of it, and I really didn't un- really understand what the controversy is about. So, Ryan, you've done a deep dive into this. Sure, I've dove really deep, got way deep in it, got balls deep in it. And, um, Did you say the ball pit? Is that what you just said? Mm-hmm. The oh. ball pit deep in it. It premiered at the Venice Film Festival on August 30th. And at the end of it, it received an eight-minute standing ovation. It won the uh, Golden Lion Award, which is the, uh, wow. the award for the best film at the <laughs> at the film festival. Right? You probably didn't see Thomas's motion. I saw like the, I saw like the very end of it. I looked up and saw his hand. I realized what he did. I, I don't. I, anyway, don't sound like that, Thomas. And why, and why is the award called the Golden Lion? Anyway, so, you know, an eight-minute standing ovation, which seems weird. I mean, even if it's even if it's good or fine, like, what, what, who's standing clapping for eight minutes? That yeah. seems insane. For um, the energy? Right. I, I mean, even if I loved it, I would just be like, all right, let's go. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, but so, I would be the but, first one out of that parking garage. So initially, I thought that it, it was it was a while after it won that award that the negative reviews started coming out. But it turns out, no, it was that very same day. Um, people started putting out their reviews saying, you know, it's uh, basically so. Uh, David Ehrlich, uh, writing for IndieWire, uh, puts out a review, and it's basically. Um, it basically said he he says that it's a toxic rallying cry for self pitying incels and hyper familiar origin story so indebted to Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy that Martin Scorsese uh, deserves an ex- executive producer credit. So he's basically saying, you know, it's like celebrating incels, and then also on the same day, uh, Jessica King. Writing for uh, the playlist, the playlist. Um, she says that it's a powerhouse movie that should scare the shit out of you. Uh, basically, the same thing as what uh, David Ehrlich said. You know, it's celebrating. I, I, they they seem to want to say that it's you know celebrating incels, and uh, from what I understand, people have seen it like. Uh, I, like I heard JVL talk about it today, and he said that he does not get the incel thing at all from it. Then um, Stephanie Zakarik, writing for Time, uh, Joker wants to be a movie about the emptiness of our culture. Instead, it's a prime example of it. David Edelstein, writing for Vulture, I'm not arguing that Todd Phillips' movie will inspire killings. Only that it panders to selfish, small-minded feelings of resentment, and as such, is profoundly boring. So after that started, those rev- those were the initial reviews, and then it kind of died down a while. That was, you know, basically right after the Venice Film Festival, and then um, 
it really started to pick up after it showed at the Toronto International Film Festival. Um, David Edelstein notes that it only received a 22nd standing ovation at the <laughs> Toronto International Film, uh, Film Festival. Um, That's still a pretty long standing yeah, he was He was like, and it's, it's a standing O. He was like, yeah, he was like, well, I guess at least it wasn't eight minutes. And then it really started to kick, like, it really got into higher, there just more and more reviews from people who were, you know, left-wing politically saying that it was a right-wing movie. It was, you know, celebrating people who like Trump and trolls and, and that kind of stuff. What immediately started to happen was people who like Trump and are trolls, <laughs> like, basically said... Uh, without without even seeing it, we're like, oh, yeah, then this movie is, <laughs> this is, our movie. is awesome. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> our movie. So, like, there's, like, commenters on um, a story about uh, Joker on Deadline.com uh, where people would say things like, uh, we've got ticks for this evening because anytime a movie gives the finger to the woke brigade, we're going to support it. And a great uh, needed fuck you to PC culture. And so it's just like both sides being like completely reactionary and like, I mean, I had a feeling that it probably didn't really have much to do with either side because why would Todd Phillips make a movie that, you know, is either, you know, glorifying incels or, you know, giving the finger to PC culture. I, I don't know. It just didn't seem like it made any sense. Everybody just, those first reviews started to come out and say that the people on the left were saying, oh, this is a terrible movie. You shouldn't see it. And that just made people on the right say, oh, well, that means I'm going to love this movie. Uh, that's kind of where we are now. I will say, I, uh, I have another uh, from uh, Glenn Beck, who I yeah, – some people know that I, for entertainment for a while, I would <laughs> listen to uh, Rush Limbaugh just to – you know, laugh at the ridiculousness of, you know, him supporting Trump and contradicting everything he's done in his whole career. It's pretty funny for a while, but then I stopped. And so uh, just this week, I've decided to try that, uh, see if it's entertaining at all to do that with Glenn Beck, because initially for a long time, Glenn Beck was a never Trumper. But then at some point he uh, started to make the turn and then he's become, you know, fully on board, even supporting uh, I, I heard him uh, this week su fully supporting betraying the Kurds and just his one statement he made was, you know, we can't stay there forever. So we should just tell the Kurds, hey, we're pulling out. You should probably pull out, too, <laughs> to which to right. where? where where are they supposed to? <laughs> uh, so um, he, he said that he loved Joker and he then he went on to, like, criticize the politicization of the movie from the left but then okay. he finished then he finished with it's not really about incels it's about antifa so oh okay he politicized it so what i hear you saying is is that depending on how you vote um mm -hmm. should determine whether or not you like this movie right it, yeah 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 if you like trump then it's a criticism of antifa and the left if you like, well, I, I mean, not even if you don't like Trump, you have to be like on like on the far left and don't like Trump, because, you know, obviously, if you're on the far left and don't like Trump, then it's obviously glorifying trolls and people who like Trump. Sure. Yeah. 
So it's all stupid. Both sides are dumb. There's bad people on both sides. But to be clear, this is the first time that that we've been stupid about something like this. So it's kind of a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So being being the only one on this podcast who has actually seen this movie, uh, I walked out of the movie very confused as to why it has become controversial and politicized, because that wasn't the feeling I got. So so first, let's. Uh, I talked with Father Harrison about this that that or night. It's a good movie. It's like on its own terms, it is a good movie. I think that Joaquin Phoenix puts in a better performance here than Heath Ledger does in the Batman trilogy. What? It's He's really good. Ledger only won because he died before the Oscar ceremony. Phoenix puts in a great performance. He does it from beginning to end. Can I, can I suggest that maybe it's just Joaquin Phoenix being Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> not even acting. Not really acting. <laughs> I mean, but he's on the diet, and then they just filmed him. Right. Yeah. I mean, JVL said the same thing, though, that, you know, <laughs> he loves the Dark Knight, but he says that, you know, if he, that Joaquin Phoenix is a better Joker than Heath Ledger. And you follow his journey from being an innocent and mentally ill but innocent person to actually becoming the Joker. The movie does describe this journey fairly well. It is very disturbing. It is very uncomfortable, but there is nothing in it that the quote unquote right in American politics should celebrate or that the quote unquote left should celebrate. And if anything, if anything, this movie is a call to class warfare because public services are being cut the billionaire that's going to make Gotham great again, Thomas Wayne, is just being a jackass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the clowns rally around Joker. It, 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 I don't see how on earth this movie could be interpreted as some sort of alt-right rallying insult cry. It doesn't make sense to me. Because they're not, they're not using the content of the movie. They've got their preconceived notions and they're just taping the fact that this movie exists onto those. You're trying, you're trying to Yeah, Exactly. I mean, if it, if it hadn't have been this movie, it would have been something else. That's stupid. Uh, People that (laughs) uninformed people that are just, they've got an ax to grind and they're going to look for anything that they think supports their agenda to do it. And it happens on both sides of the ridiculous schism in this country and why are we surprised well, well, where it's is, 2019 is Timothy advocating a civil war <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm hearing um but civil wars are good and very easy to win yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no it's just it's just all very tiring just go see a movie go go see art go do whatever all right don't... i will i'll take my kids yeah, <laughs> Jordan's gonna love it. I want to hear. I want yeah, to hear. You can't wait for the review. <laughs> well, did I tell you guys that that she she's asked to see it multiple times? It's like, oh, really? like, Daddy, there there's a new Joker movie. I'm like, I know it's rated oh R. You can't watch. It. <laughs> well, wow, he's, he's a clown. It has to be for kids. <laughs> Transition for this week. 
we decided to watch a movie, and I believe that this movie was Chris's uh, suggestion, suggestion, so we are all blaming him. We have watched Downsizing, which is a 2017 science fiction quote-unquote comedy directed by Alexander Payne. What? Written by Payne. Uh, who has done other movies like Election and some other things that Chris apparently likes. It stars Matt Damon, Christoph Waltz, Hong Chow, Kristen Wiig. Downsizing tells the story of Paul Safranek. This was a running joke throughout the movie. Like, how do you pronounce his name? No one gives a shit. No, uh, it, it wasn't a joke, though. We can, we can get back to this. Yeah. There, there's... Okay. There's the movie that they made, and then there's the movie they unintentionally made. Yeah. Paul, together with his wife, Audrey, decides that they're going to reassess their life because they want to buy a, a new, beautiful house. They live in uh, Omaha, South Dakota, and they decide that it's going to be cheaper to actually just shrink themselves and go live in one of these communities. Anyway, we'll get into that. Uh, downsizing yeah, why, was... Why did you, you jump there? Okay, go ahead. Downsizing was a box office bomb. Yeah, can, uh, can I can I introduce the movie since since you blamed it on me? Can I can I can I can I uh, say a few words of introduction? So I selected this movie uh, because it is made by a very gifted filmmaker in Alexander Payne, uh, the the maker of very popular and and um, critically acclaimed movies such as Election, uh, Sideways, and. Um, the descendants which are all very very good movies he also made nebraska which i did not like which is kind of an interesting thing that that uh, a very talented filmmaker and uh made a movie with bob odenkirk which i didn't like because i love everything bob odenkirk does and, and then he made this one i didn't see this one partly because the marketing was terrible that it was marketed as a comedy uh kind of a slapstick and but the 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 trailers didn't appear all that funny uh, so anyway, I, I selected it because it was a a, a, a box office bomb by a, uh, a an award winning director. So th- that's what I wanted to say. And then uh, I think uh, Thomas, you had some specifics to add about the box office numbers. So it ha- it's a little unclear, but it seems like they had a budget between sixty eight to seventy six million. It pulled in fifty fifty five million at the box office. So this is this was a, a huge budget compared to what he had made movies for. You know, he'd Pre- never been given this much money. Pre-production started in two thousand and nine. Paul Giamatti was originally attached to play Matt Damon's character, which probably a better movie because Paul Giamatti does sad sack a lot better than <laughs> Matt Damon does. Uh, the cast includes uh, two Oscar winners and four Oscar nominees. Uh, it had a cinema score of C. <laughs> that seems I'm high. That, was that high. That seems <laughs> yeah. really high. Chris, uh, how about you? You start to lead us into this movie. All right. So the movie opens with this super sciencey researcher, some stupid Swede, um, working hey, on. Hey, hey, shut up! So Rolf Lasgård is one of my favorite Swedish actors. Pro- he's the lead in what is probably my favorite Swedish movie of all time. The girl but- with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, the problem here is that he's playing a Norwegian. But anyway, go on. So he's this researcher, and he's working on, I don't know, some super science experiment. Boom, it works. Okay. And then some some comical exposition. Uh, we get this narration. 75 years ago, Mrs. Nellie Evertson 
overcome with the guilt by the fortune her late husband's family had amassed producing mustard gas during World War I, founded our institute so that the wonders of science could instead be used to help mankind. And so they identify uh, basically ecological threats as, the, as, as um, overpopulation especially, but just emissions, production of waste, all those things are, are uh, actually at a critical place. And so this guy's experiment was miniaturization of people. So this researcher and his stupid Swedish wife get downsized. We see them reveal this to the world, and there's maybe a well, dozen of them, uh, or more, maybe 20 of them, and 30. they... 30 of them. And they, they, and they showed and, pictures of them naked, because obviously <laughs> that was yeah. necessary. Yeah, yeah. Well, my, my first thing, like, why was this groundbreaking news conference at a Four conference years in? In, in, in Istanbul? <laughs> was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's right. I think it was in Turkey. Yeah, you know, it's just like that was the first thing. It's like, why? Is that where you said F you movie? Is that where you said? Well, that was just the first thing. That, that's the very first thing I wrote on my notes. Why is this conference in Istanbul? <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> no, but, but Erdogan, not... Once Erdogan sees that, he's not letting him out of there alive. No way. And then, uh, and then the guy introducing the first speaker, I'm, I'm pretty sure... Uh, he was, uh, yeah, he was the, he was the bad Jack guy. Ryan. He's the Latin uh, yeah. Jack Ryan. In yeah, he was. Danger. And he was the bad guy in Lost and Found with David Spade. He was the uh, conductor. It It's a very topical topic. That sounds bad. A topical subject, whatever, like the overpopulation thing. Haven't we seen that in a lot of movies? Yeah, recently? and it's all, it's all garbage. Yeah, but right. I mean, have you ever seen it in a movie where there's people are small? Well, <laughs> so then then the other thing, he makes a point in saying in his conference that it works with all organic matter except fish and shellfish. And then I thought, OK, that's going to come back somehow. Like and it doesn't. It, no. Why even bring it up? They like make a point of bringing up. Oh, it didn't work on this. They're, they're like something happened. They don't say what it was. I'm like, okay, this is going to come back. It like maybe it made like a mutant something, right. or yeah. like they turned they, giant, or they tried something. to shrink a fish and it got bigger. Yeah, no, no, never, never comes up again. Yeah, but but because it doesn't work with shellfish, it also doesn't work with teeth. Well. Okay, but this is what this is what no, it doesn't work with hair. But they said dental appendages, so which which was I was confused because it shows them taking out like like dental implants, but then it shows them like replacing later like all their teeth. Yeah. So I was confused there. It didn't make sense. And then it's like okay, so but why does it work on fingernails and toenails? And why does it work on eyelashes but not hair? Right. Right. And. What I really want to know is what the heck did that first mouse look like? Because they did not shave that mouse. It's probably a pretty shaggy mouse. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of unanswered questions in this movie. Uh, uh, so, 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 so after Rolf Lascord introduces his experiment and shows off his tiny penis, what what happens then? We're well, well. One of the big selling points that they sell the world on is that they're like, look. Over an entire four years, this the, these thirty people produced like half a bag of trash. Right. So this yes. is a chance to save and the world. And they've and they've reproduced uh, two children. They've had two children that have been born tiny, and 
there's no downside to it health-wise, no side effects, nothing. So so then they go in and, okay, Except now, for, like, a paint chip falling off a building could kill you. Well, <laughs> yeah, and so then they're like, all right, we're going to do could... the whole human population, we're going to transition to small. This is the plan for the future. The whole human population, that's what they say in this conference, and then yep. all the problems will be solved, except for the fact that Everything else in nature is the same size. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, like a little bit of hail is going to like wipe yeah. out like tens of thousands of people. Yeah. yeah. And that, that press conference when the people are brought no, in, you can't go outside. It's raining. Right. <laughs> the, the, the effects look better in honey. I shrunk the kids, which came out in the eighties <laughs> than in that yeah. scene. Like, yeah, it was no, just, it really did. Seriously. They it was didn't go off. into. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 showed dollhouses. That's the only thing they showed, like you know, uh, as you know, uh, to show the size. Yeah. Um. And so so after a press conference, they show us Matt Damon in Omaha, Kansas, where <laughs> he is working for Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks. Yes. A physical therapist or something. Occupational, Occupational. therapist. Yeah. yeah. So he's picking so, up some takeout food, right? And he's, he looks over on the TV. He's like, boy, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, which, okay. which, which that scene there was like, you could tell he did not give a crap about this movie. <laughs> yeah. He's sitting in the bar and he's looking at the, he's like. Watching hey, the news at the bar, which is what we yeah, all do at the bar. This big smile on his face. the news on. Yep. Yeah. You're just hey, like, oh, look, wow. look, what, look at this press conference in Turkey. That's something. <laughs> Whoa. I was just like, oh man, this is this is painful. Uh, so he goes so home, he, takes the takeout home, uh, and and uh, Payne, the gifted filmmaker, he does. He, honestly, like, there's so much of this that's actually really good, like the music and ever, like the way he directs it. He shows up at this house, um, and his his mom's already eaten, and you can see this tension. Uh, he shows up with his food, his mom's already eaten. Uh, he's got to give her an injection and she complains about the fact that, um, that we're wasting our time miniaturizing when, when they can't, can't uh, heal her of her pain. Fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia. He's like, everybody's in pain, mom. Yeah. Which, which actually that was a good setup for later. I thought, I, I think that's part of the story that the movie eventually tells was set up in that scene. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, but yeah, his life sucks. Well, but well I mean, it's it's hard now. Does like, it? But then we replay the scene. Uh, he goes, gets takeout food, and he comes home. But it's not his mom. But he's in the same house, and he's yeah. he, he's sadder sack living in the same house, same life. Ten years later, and his wife is Kristen Wiig, who's a stone cold bitch. Um, shows up with yeah. takeout. Who also did not give a shit. <laughs> right. I don't know. I thought she I thought her performance was really good. So she's got this headache and he so he he goes and he rubs her back in the way that he it's clear that he does this a lot. She yeah. played this character before in Extract and she did it much better. <laughs> but yeah, she's in pain because her day was rough. Uh she doesn't ask about his day or any interest in him. <laughs> really nope. she's mad she's... And, and under and, and like understandably so she's upset that he's home late because he didn't say when he was coming home 
or whatever. So you get the idea that he's stopped off at the bar for who knows how long because that's his routine, right? He goes yeah, off he's work. He's probably avoiding he has a, right, right, right. news. And then he brings <laughs> home he brings home food. What a but, jackass. Bring home food. But but you know she he you know she's like, "Well, you didn't say when you were coming and what you were bringing." And so, yeah. So that 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 whole thing there. Yeah. And then it's his high school reunion. Right. Well, well, first, first we get to see him a little bit at work at Omaha Steaks. That's true. Uh, ah, okay. So he's he's given people Film, tips filmed on... in an actual uh, yeah Omaha Steaks. Yeah, and right. he's he's given tips on you know posture at work and you know how to how to do this. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah. here in my notes it says quote unquote it says bitch on wheels, but I don't remember what that's from. But it's somewhere around here. Anyway, move on. <laughs> huh. Well, okay, so we see him at work and then we see them uh chopping for a house. They're walking through a house with a realtor. Really a nice. Really house. nice house. Yeah. She loves it and he looks like he just looks really nervous the whole time. He's he's uneasy. Uh and then he says he says, "Oh, don't get me wrong." She's like, "Don't you like it?" He's like, "Oh, don't get me wrong. I just think we should look at that other house in Benson." Yeah, he's like, let's, the me- Yeah. Let's look it, further it, out where we can afford it. Yeah, and if you yeah. didn't get the message that he doesn't think they should spend the money, we cut to him in the basement with an adding machine. <laughs> and and if you if it's not clear that their financial situation is not good, it shows him rubbing his eyes. I mean, I'm not really good at context clues, but I'm guessing that they might have money problems. Uh, well, I'm not sure they have money problems, or if it's just they're, that, they're living beyond they're, their means, basically, because he just sure, paid off yeah. his student loan, which comes out at the, uh, yep. uh, the the high school reunion. We don't know what she she apparently does not have a good job because she talks about you know working retail or something. So he's maybe making decent money for what he does, but we don't know. Right, and we we find out at the reunion that they go to next that he uh, dropped out of law school or uh, med school. Sorry, yeah, yeah, to take because because of his mom's yeah, yeah, mom's illness. James Vanderbeek. James Vanderbeek could have been, and so this is where this is. I don't want your life. That I realized (laughs) that either Matt Damon is making a choice with the sad sack thing, or he just doesn't care because I had the uh, subtitles on. And for the subtitles, the line, you could have been my anesthesiologist. There's an exclamation point at the end of that sentence. But Matt Damon delivers it as you could have been my anesthesiologist with <laughs> yeah. bare, barely a pulse. So yeah. that just made me think of like, who are you, Elaine like, Bennis? <laughs> was, he, was he just like, you know what? I think this guy is... Uh, even more depressed than the script says. Right, or yeah. he was just like, this sucks, and this is going to be a long shoot. Yeah, so... Uh, so then... Uh, let's, let's, not, let's not move beyond the fact that James Vanderbeek is basically like, I don't want... <laughs> He's like, I'm super rich, and yeah. you're just an occupational therapist. You wanted to be a surgeon, and life... 
I mean, basically what this scene is, is showing is that life has not worked out for Matt Damon the way he hoped. That that his mother, uh, he, had to, he had to leave med school well, he to, to take to. care of his mom. Oh, he, he chose, chose to. to. Yeah. And then her end of life, uh, the, there were a lot of costs that came up that probably put him in debt. Yeah. Um, and, and just things have not worked out as he hoped. Right. And then we get the big entrance. The, you mean the Jason, big entrance? The tiny entrance? entrance? Yeah, of Jason Sudeikis, which is... Is he like if he shows up in your movie? <laughs> like, is that a sign of quality? Like, he was good on Saturday Night Live, but has he he's, done? And he was good, good in Thirty Rock. He's good in Horrible Bosses. Trying to think what well, else. It's almost like so, in Nebraska. It's almost like he got the movie or he got the idea to put SNL guys in movies because yeah, yeah. I mean, he's basically playing the the a hole character. Yeah, uh, he's a great character in, in yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah, he's so, he's he's actually good. There should have been more of him in this because yeah. He, so the, the the inventor of miniaturization has sold it on the premise of saving the earth. But why does Jason Sudeikis get small? Because to live a wealthier life. Because to live a wealthier life. Yeah, like, because it's like yeah, some people have ambition. I don't really have ambition. Yeah, because <laughs> basically in this world, the 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 and this is where the movie really starts falling apart. And what they're trying to do, because and I maybe it's intentional, I don't know. But so like the the idea is not only are you shrunk down, but because the, the your reduced needs and whatnot, basically one dollar equals a thousand dollars. Yeah. Yep. Like. Which is complete crap, because that might be true in terms of food costs. But here's the thing. That process only works on living organic matter. You can't shrink machine tools and all this stuff. So all of this stuff that these people have has to be built from scratch. So like the startup costs, you're not <laughs> going to have you're not going to have economy of scale to build all of these tiny things. You're thinking right too the, much the, about this. The people who ran the plumbing and electricity, they've got to right. be small people, so you got to pay them. Right. And where's the small pipe factory? And, you know, it's just like, it's just ridiculous. And then they've got working cars. They're not driving around in toys. I mean, they built cars for little people to drive and buses. Okay, but, but the point is, like, how much material does it take? Like, how much does it cost to build a, a friggin' dollhouse? Uh, the, like, I don't well, know. How much does it cost? Well, I mean, Material what kind of dollhouse? Fine, but you gotta what pay What kind of somebody... dollhouse are you talking about? I mean, yeah. one that's a dollhouse or one that, you know, is like a real house. <laughs> Because and, and and that can that can somehow just open up in the middle too and right. not yeah and like yeah and so like who's building the tiny little computers who's building the tiny little TV cameras who's you know all of this stuff that you're just like I think, I you think don't tiny think about is doing it yeah you don't think about because you're just like okay well this is normal things that's because and, this movie isn't about the details it's about other things that's what well I'm just saying if you introduce a concept of like oh no it's so much cheaper to live because things are small you that falls apart when it's like sure, you have sure. all the modern conveniences of regular life which are supposedly putting us in the condition where the world is ending but now we're introducing them on the small scale too which but the, the the parts that they introduce like travel like you can get FedEx somewhere or right, right. like your your like you can like literally you're, you're... fit like 5 uh, 20 people in one plane seat 
Right. So they, like, well, they basically like put them in the window. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is like how how they close those window shades. Like they're, they're going to be cooking alive in there. If the it's not bright. about that stuff, what is it about, Chris? Uh, we'll get there. We'll uh, get there. Making okay. moviegoers angry. Is that what it's about? <laughs> so Sudeikis is like. All that stuff about saving the planet? No, I did this for me. We get to right. we get to live like kings. Talk about the sister city in Tuscany. You know, we just got back from there. There's wine tasting, cooking classes, yoga. This is great. Yeah. Meanwhile, and, their their mortgage application bounced back. So so that uh, like, uh, hold, hold up, hold up. So you know what else Jason Sudeikis brags about? How often they go to Cheesecake Factory and the fact that they have three of them. three Cheesecake Factories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come yeah. on, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> what? I did, I did smile. I will give you that. I... Kids love the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. That's just one, there's three. That's funny. Yeah. So then the other thing, but while all this is going on, you see news reports about the downsizing thing. And supposedly Ooh, it's... Immigrants. It's causing all these problems because, like, it's causing unemployment, which is stupid. <laughs> because if you're reducing people out of, you would think that would be making more jobs available because there's fewer people to work those jobs. But no, and then it's like houses are sitting empty, so property values are going down. And then you got the drunk guy at the bar who I'm pretty uh, sure was Genghis what? Khan in the Night at the Museum why, movies. Why was that scene in the movie? What? Because he, because they're not real people anymore. They, should, they shouldn't get a full vote. Their uh, loan application's rejected, so they're like, well, we can't afford good life on a big scale, so they go to see what the fuss is about. Yeah, so they go and to... And who feature. is their salesman but Doogie Howser himself? Freaking... Uh, Laura Dern and Neil Patrick Harris, <laughs> and they yeah. waste them because it's basically an infomercial, <laughs> and they act exactly like dipshit infomercial people do. I loved it. Wasn't it great? You, no, it wasn't. You could have got the guy from ShamWow to do that. You've got Neil Patrick Harris. Don't make him an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Like, he probably would have been a better lead than, than, um, why than Matt Damon. Them? Why even get them? If it's going to well, be... Like, she's like, so why did you tell me that people, when we have visitors, that she's in the bathtub with yes, a I platinum can't. necklace on? I was hoping. Yeah. And a microphone on. <laughs> and a microphone. And you know, this, this really cheesy banter back and forth. After you. Like, yeah. And she's. And so, so, like a, so we have Admiral complete... Holdo in the bathtub. And she's like, <laughs> you got to start telling me, people, when you bring guests over. And she shows off her diamond necklace and earrings set in platinum. He's like, what? He rolls his eyes, right? Yeah. Why is she in what the is bathtub? That? What is the? What is the? Why is she in the bathtub? <laughs> All right, but but so so they they look at the the house that Neil Patrick Harris is showing off, and they they get some more info, and then they talk with you know like when you go to buy a car, and they bring you to the the finance person, the finance uh, guy or lady, and they talk about what they can afford. And what was the package called? Like the Regency package or something yeah. like that? Yeah. So, so, so they will get a 12,000 square foot house. Uh, they will have 152,000 left over after they pay for everything and sell their house. And that's going to be worth about 12.5 million after they are shrunk down. Sure. That's a lot of money. And I'm not sure how this conversion is working. <laughs> 
but yeah, that's like their big incentive. They're going to be rich. Yep. Yeah. 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 And uh, and then they said, and I did like he said. Well, you know, they say if this is such a good deal, why haven't you done it? Right. And yeah. And she says, well, my husband had a hip replacement, so he's ineligible. And they make it clear that that you know it's only organic matter that can be shrunk down. So if you've got any kind of you know screws or anything, um, you know that it won't work. And so it's like Genius okay, implant. Right. Right. So, um, so that I guess made made sense. So they buy the they buy the spiel, they, and uh, it's it felt sort of like watching someone buy a timeshare. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right, and that's why, like, I'm sure every single salesman uh, has a you know excuse for why they didn't do it. Right. That's oh yeah. Just yeah. You know, total bullshit, but. You got to say something because they're going to ask you. So then we get to the next problem I had, which they walk him <laughs> through the shrinking process. Are you okay. talking about the actual shrinking process or before they get there? Well, they're, they're walking him through what's going to happen. You know, oh, okay. we're going to do this and, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, there's a separate one for men and for women. And you'll see her again in five hours. <sighs> So, and then it shows what is involved, where they shave every piece of hair off of the body. They give you a free enema. Yeah, they evacuate <laughs> okay. your bowels. Yeah. They so evacuate I, everything. So I On heard, brand, boys. On brand. I first assumed that was like an anal probe, uh, but uh, pretty close. Anyway, yeah. So they shave. They, they remove all the teeth. Yes. And then they shrink them. They drug them, shrink them, then they put the teeth back in, and then they come out of anesthesia, and this takes five hours? Yeah. Like, I've been to the dentist before. They do not work. Oh, did they shrink you at the dentist, Timothy? Well, no, but... (laughs) No, he's saying it should take more than five hours. You get a cavity filled, that's like an hour to get one cavity filled. Yeah. Like, they're, they're replacing all of your teeth? A, a oh, knee surgery. A knee surgery is several hours. Yeah. So, so that was just ridiculous. They they could have said any number. Seventeen and days. They, and they give us yeah, well, fifteen hours. You know, we'll see. And, in, and, and apparently, if the person you're going in with and going to be sharing money, uh, which you know the entire agreement that you signed is based on, if she decides to stop they don't Ail say hey <laughs> yeah you want to yeah. keep doing this yeah exactly yeah right yeah that was the thing like he's like they take him to his big house and like we, she backed out she backed out when they cut off not her hair but one of her eyebrows that was the that was the line right the, her hair and one eyebrow and then that then she couldn't do Which it it's the first thing that they do so they right. had plenty of time to you say get a brazilian Hey, yeah. yeah, yeah. Your wife is backing uh, out of this. So, your wife and financial partner in the agreement that you signed, she's not doing it. Yeah, yeah. You've you, gone in this. You want to She stopped well short of the enema. <laughs> Actually, she asked for that while she was still awake. She, <laughs> she asked for she asked for two enemas, and then she left. <laughs> yeah. And so, so this is like thirty thirty five minutes into the movie. 
Right. And oh my goodness. Th- th- this is the point where I'm sitting here, I'm watching it, and I'm wondering where is this going to go? Which is the next yeah. 30 minutes of the movie. I have no idea what's going to happen. Like, it. Yeah. And anyway. Ultimate says, please don't hate me. <laughs> don't be mad. Don't yeah. be mad. Yeah. <gasps> and then we see him shift for like five seconds into screaming, angry Matt Damon. Right. And then he's. <laughs> And then he's gone. And then Matt Damon is really tired from that and says, all right, I'm going back into no emotion. That's I love her line. She's like, can't you understand how I feel? I should have been thinking more about myself. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, and you see that scene where her, her mom refuses to come to their going away party. Right. Her mom doesn't agree with it. Her dad's like, I get what you're doing and why you're doing it, and I support you, but your mom's not there, you know, and and so there was kind of some setup, maybe, I don't know, but yeah, uh, they don't really do anything with it beyond uh-huh. that, you know, so. Yeah, the yeah, coach so, from the Toyota commercials is the dad. Yeah, and yeah. so. Um, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I just, I just, I just love that. Uh, I, I should have been thinking more about myself. Like that—that's what society really needs. Is if we would just all think a little bit more about ourselves, uh, I think we'd live in a better world. Which is what they were. That's what all she was focused on. Right. Was yeah. herself. But yeah, he, it he was, did this. He did this a hundred percent for her. Right. Right. He was not able to provide the lifestyle, the house, you know, all the things she wanted. So he's like, "Here's our solution." Yeah. 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 So. Uh, he, he would have been happy watching the news at the bar, uh, bringing home take out take out food. He he, he could have continued that forever. Yeah. So when uh, Matt Damon wakes up, uh, did you see what the first thing was that he did? He he checks his, his he checks package. his junk. Yeah. Just like uh, Matthew McConaughey in uh, Ed TV. That's the first <laughs> thing you do when you wake up. Apparently. Do you not? Because he was afraid it wouldn't shrink. <laughs> or would shrink extra? Like, I don't get the point. I, I guess it was played for laughs, but it's like, again. Hey, Doc. Hey, Doc. Hey, Doc. Not so much on the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On the downstairs. A little less of the shrink ray down there. Yeah. But, uh... but, but then we have the relapse when the nurse brings in the cracker. <laughs> yeah. The, the real size cracker. And they're like, oh. Oh, it's funny. It cracks everyone up. Yeah, like basically like a saltine pack that's on a salad bar. She yeah. comes carrying in one. You know, which is half the size of her body. Yeah, so it's, you know, and oh, I'll get you some real food. And um, Honestly, which, I would yeah. have preferred just more of that stuff the entire movie. Like, right, which, which, and that's the thing that bugged me because... Just, once they're just shrunk- do honey i shrunk the kids yeah but there's none of that once you get shrunk down it, you're completely in the shrunk down world and they have perfectly made clothes like everything so you you lose perspective of, of the fact that they are supposedly right these yeah, tiny it, little people just, yeah and i don't know if that was intentional on the maker's it part absolutely or was okay and i guess they're just showing that you know this is how this new life is so he gets a divorce right and uh, well i mean you know we, we we witnessed this and i think it's pretty artfully done so his uh <clears throat> his driver in the golf cart kind of introduces him and 
and is, is kind to him, drops him off. And do you remember the line that Matt Damon says to him? He says, you're a nice guy. Yeah. Like, so, so he had just been dumped and he arrives yeah. and there's like a monogrammed, uh, his and hers, uh-huh. uh, bathrobes. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's champagne welcoming them. And then they drop off the, wed- the wedding <laughs> rings, right? Full size wedding rings, these giant rings. And that's where the economics of it break down because he gets divorced and the lawyer makes a comment. I really wish you would have, uh, taken the first offer. <laughs> And he and looks I, even more like a sad sack. He's so such a such a sad sack. And and as he's signing the divorce paper, uh, the guy's like, "Can you write you bigger? Write bigger? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah." Uh, so then he goes from the 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 McMansion to uh, a little apartment in a apartment block. But somehow he's up for his neighbor as a giant penthouse. Yeah, right. I don't know and, how that. But, and yeah. well, I, I mean, they they mention that there's different levels of membership, right? And so maybe the membership they were going on, there were other memberships, and there's supposedly again, some sort of class he, striation. He, he but, signed a, he signed a contract for one membership, and then you know his wife pulls out, and they don't again they don't stop him and say, okay, uh, you can only afford this membership now. Do you still want to? <laughs> right, right. And so and then so then we see him. He's got to take a job. Uh, because we're guessing that she just took everything. Yeah, right. I she mean, must have. She must even, have just even like his wedding ring alone should have gotten him a ton of money, right? Like, if we're multiplying like, by a thousand dollars, right? He had like a two hundred dollar wedding ring. I mean, that's two hundred grand right there. Like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, he's, so he's and then and that was one of the things I wrote. It's like, well, what do these little people do for money? Well, they they set up. Well, if you've got a decent, you know, nest egg, you can just live off of that because the cost of living is low. But then they introduce, oh no, they all work in call centers. Call centers. <laughs> because they have tiny little little person headsets and phone lines and uh, all because these if, things. Because if bald, shrunken, sad sack, di- recently divorced Matt Damon living in his right. dinky apartment isn't sad sack enough, like what's the worst? What's the worst job than being a telemarketer? A telemarketer. Was, uh, well, no, it wasn't even a telemarketer. He was the he was the uh, the call operator. Was it Lands End? Lands End yeah. or LLB? I was Lands End. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, so he's just taking orders and so, trying so to like. Is is Lands End hiring small telemarketers because they don't have to pay them as much? Well, Is and that, that's that's but see, if, but if that, you that, are making like ten bucks an hour, like that's like ten thousand dollars an hour, right? And so the the movie doesn't address yeah, that. It, it, it says, "Oh, look, these people have to work in this thing," but it's like, and I maybe that's what the drunk in the in the bar was bringing up. Like, well, you're not worth as much as a big person. I don't know, but the movie doesn't address it, so it it's just another wasted opportunity for some of the message it was trying to portray. And then what we uh, need it goes on a date with with Weigel, the Reno nine one one. Yeah, before he does, like we get well his yeah Jason Sudeikis. Meet Jason Sudeikis. Oh, right. He actually gets two scenes. Yeah, where most most people James Vanderbeek only got one. I uh, don't want your life. And so he's saying, look, you know, you it's just it's just the wild. You know, you just go wild and get the girls and the, you know, whatever. But, and he, but Timothy, you know, 
what what's the best kind of girl to get? The single single moms because yeah. they just want to have fun or something like that, right? Like they don't want a connection. They've got that out of their system with the kid, so they yeah. just want to have like, fun. Yeah, like Sudeikis is a real creep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That relationship stuff. Yeah, yeah, and so. So Matt Damon says, oh, well, actually, I'm seeing a, a, you know, a single mom. And so you see him having dinner. Looks like a then, really, just a really, really, just a good date. Yeah. <laughs> it's going well. Well, and then. It looks then, like hell. Right. And then you get to the, to the sad realization that, yes, that's all this woman wants. She doesn't want a relationship with him. She's just basically trying to get laid. Right? Yep. And I, and he's lonely. And he's lonely. He's wanting, he's wanting a relationship. And uh, so then that that brings him into Christoph uh, Waltz's life. Christoph fucking right. Waltz is in finally an interesting character. Somebody has some blackmail on him. And... Like an hour into this movie. And finally, the first interesting character shows up. I'm wondering if it's that, like, he's actually a Nazi, you know, <laughs> like he his character in Inglorious Bastards and a producer of this movie found out and was like, you got to be in this movie and I won't tell anybody. Yeah, that's the only thing I can come up with. Yeah, uh, so his neighbor hosts large and loud parties. And I don't know if this is bigoted of me uh to say this but um this is like his character in this movie is pretty much what i think every single single european like so every single (laughs) non-married european is like it's basically like hey let's party ah you know let's come in do some drugs you know have some sex this all all sounds exactly like thomas There. <laughs> like I, I'm pretty sure that Thomas moved into his sex village that he moved into in Arizona State, um, like pretty much to have like wild parties. Like girls are pulling pills out of their cleavage, handing to him. He takes it. He doesn't know what happens next. He dances. He's got glow sticks. He wakes up the next day. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying. Like, does it sound that bad? Really? Like this is this is pretty much. What I think every European's like that—that yeah. that whole scene where he's on the drugs—it was—it was way like fifty percent too long. Like we get it, he's <laughs> he's high, but what was the point of that? Was it supposed to be funny? Because it wasn't funny. The whole point is leading him to meet Lock Knockland. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Okay. So we forget to bring up part of the news. They they bring up that this. Uh, shrinking process, the downsizing is being abused by some countries. They're using it right. to... Which which makes zero sense. <laughs> Why not... Like, you're going to go through the effort... said this about this movie. <laughs> you're going to go through the effort of, you know, oh, these are political prisoners and stuff. Just shoot them. You're going <laughs> to shrink, no, shrink, like, no, shrink them down and mail them around the country to get rid of them? Like, like the... I Like, it just the cost involved would be prohibitive. I just that part. I get what they were doing. It's like, oh, these undesirable people. We're we want to get rid of them out of our sight, so we're going to make them small so we can't see them. 
okay, I get that. So, but so you do get what they're doing. You just refuse. To. I, I think it's just dumb. It like it doesn't hold up in the logic of the movie that it sets up. I don't think it holds up because we see like okay, maybe maybe some country like uh, Vietnam. Which I why did they pick Vietnam? I, I don't know. But the idea that Vietnam is investing in shrinking facilities just to punish people. Really? Like, that's, I don't. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So this, this political dissident, uh, I guess she and the others try, like smuggled themselves out of the country or were they put in the TV I, box? I think, I think they were put in the box by the government. Right. And she was the only one who survived. Right. right. And, and they, they say a suspicious box and you get from the footage from the TV, it's like the suspicious box is like the rotting bodies leaking through the cardboard. Yeah. Like, not like, oh, these people cut holes in the box to breathe. No, they're handling this box like, oh, there's something gross in here. And yeah, so she's the only one that survives uh, this box. And and sad sack Matt Damon basically... Sees again on the TV. Bold, oh, wow. Bold, yeah. sad sack, recently divorced Matt Damon is sitting at home watching TV, uh, reflecting on his decision to, to become downsized. And all the news on the TV is bad news about downsizing, what yeah. it's doing to the world, that, that people are using it for ill and not for good, um, and finds out that this knock land, um, so. Yeah, and then, so then Christoph Waltz basically says, you know, this, this is all a scam and it's all stupid, and I just did it for the money. Like, uh, I guess which, most people at Leisure Land did it for the money. Well, right, right. And, and what he pitches, uh, he pitches Matt Damon, um, Kramer's fake uh, Cuban cigar rolling uh, right. scheme from Seinfeld, <laughs> right. which, you know, you could say like, oh, well, that's, you know, that was from something else. But have you ever seen it small? Right, right. So it's, so it's basically, different. yeah, it's different because it's small now. So, ah. so what I what I liked about this movie is there's there's three archetype characters that it introduces. There's the idealist, which is the Swedish scientist. That's a Norwegian. True Swedish actor. The Swedish, Swedish actor, actor who's a Norwegian scientist. There's the the cynic, which is Christoph Waltz. And then there's what I'll call the humanist, which is uh Tram. The, uh Tramp. Yeah. It, yeah. And um how these people view the same world differently. Uh and we can get into that as we get more into the movie. But Christoph Waltz is just like, look, people are people and this is all dumb, but I can make money. And my brother, he's not dumb enough to shrink down. He's still on the regular world, and we're making all kinds of money because this is the Wild West, and rules don't apply, so we're going to do whatever people want. And which leads me to the question is he's impressed because Matt Damon's got a full-size rosebud that he bought for his date. Why would a little person want a full-size rosebud? He's like, oh, where'd you get that? It's like, oh, a new store just opened where you can get full-size flowers. And he seems impressed by it. And then he, he brings that to him at the party, which is how they become friends. But wh- why would somebody want that? Because it's exotic. So anyway, so at Christoph Waltz's apartment, uh, Matt Damon meets Tran, uh, does some uh, unlicensed physical therapy on her. That's not a euphemism. That's literally right. what it says in the notes here. Right. 
and which is the first time he's felt useful uh, since he's since he's been downsized. Uh, yes, because well, did, did we even set up like how he meets her? So like after he does the drugs, uh, he you know wakes up on the floor. Uh, he wakes couch. up on the floor, and the cleaners come in to pick up after this ridiculous party. Yeah. And she is one of the cleaners. Yeah, and she had her leg amputated because of an infection from being in the TV box with all the other dead little people. So he sees this woman stomping around the room on a bad prosthetic leg, and it it dawns on him who she is. Yeah, she's this famous refugee from Vietnam or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Christoph Waltz knows who she is the whole time, and he thinks it's hilarious that she's cleaning his apartment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, yeah, so he tries to, or, like, talks to her about her problems, her back's hurting, or whatever the hell it is, and then goes with Tran to this refugee camp, right? She says, yeah, she's, well, she says, you need to fix my friend. Yes. Uh, I can't bring her to you. You've got to come to, to her. So, yeah, so then it's... He says, I'm not licensed. Yeah, and he's like, I can't do it, and they're it's like... Small people is, town. Right, right, because he crossed state lines, right? <laughs> and he didn't renew his license, and it'd be a whole, it'd be a whole thing for him to, to get, <laughs> to get his, his so. license switched over to Arizona. And, or and, and so this is, a, this is a really interesting scene here, because uh, all we've seen of Leisure Land is, is its beauty. It's golf courses, it's, it's uh, no, there's nothing seedy about it, is that they've built yeah. this, this, this really large, uh, uh, planned community, yeah. Planned community, yeah. The city um, for people who have a couple hundred thousand dollars to become multimillionaires. Yeah. Well, not everyone is a well, and that's the thing. It's like, and they all these have to be protected under like, like basically, uh, like biodome type. Yeah, biodome. And so he gets on. Uh, does he get on a bus right away, or does like? Yeah. They go so they a, a long a... ways, and they, they. They drive through a hole in the wall. Drive through a hole in the wall to a shanty town. To outside the wall of the thing. And when they're now in basically the big world, because there's like 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 the those offices, like construction sites put up, like the mobile office things are just out there. And that's been converted into apartment like I don't know. It's not like Favelas, a shanty town. Favelas? Yeah, like it's yeah, favelas. Like it was like purposely built because there's stairs and apartments. Like you know, but it looks like it was built. There's definitely, but it's different classes it, here. Right, right, and so it's like oh, like oh, like it's full of Mexicans because again, Mexico is gonna shrink. Like the Guatemalans coming through Mexico, they're going to shrink. And that was the thing, like, oh, you know, Homeland Security, oh, how how hard would it be? It'd be easy for terrorists to sneak through. Well, what's a... What's an itty-bitty terrorist going to do, yeah. Right. Yeah, when they talk about the security issues of terrorists. <laughs> right, five-inch yeah, tall really terrorists. I'm terrified of these, yeah, these five-inch tall, you know, so, guys are going to get stepped on if they try to do anything. <laughs> Yeah, so she takes him to the apartment where her friend is basically dying of cancer. Uh, and we're told that 
her husband is dead because the they didn't do a good job of checking him when he went downsizing and they didn't remove some sort of dental appendage and it didn't shrink and it exploded that's, its head. That sounds like a super grisly death. Yeah. yeah. Like that yeah. would not, there have been brains everywhere. Yeah. And but Matt then, Damon, that, that scene is, but that scene is hilarious, right? Do you, do you because Matt scene? Damon's an idiot and he's like, what? His head explode. What? <laughs> His head explode. Like, <laughs> like she repeats that phrase like four times. And then, and then he still doesn't understand, and so then she explains in detail that he had some sort of false tooth that they didn't remove, and when he was shrunk, the tooth did not shrink, and it blew his head off. Um, Hilarious. Who doesn't find yeah. that funny? Right, well, but, right. But then the next part is funny too, right? When she drugs the... Yeah. <clears throat> because she's taken expired pills from Christoph Waltz, uh, to treat her friend. Um, and she's wanting to know what to give her. And he's like, well, I can't, you know, you're not supposed to give her this stuff. And she's like, she's dying. She needs something. You know, he's like, she's dying. She's sick. She's like, I know she's dying, but you know, she needs something now. And so he says, well, give her, give her a, you know, two Percocet where she's like, how many should I give her Two, four? how many? And he's like, give her two. And then she's like, two, like <laughs> she suggested two pills yeah, old. She, give four. Yeah, she suggested two to begin with. Like two, four. And he's like, yeah, give her two. And then she's like, that's dumb. Why would I only give her? It was just. I, I don't know. Uh, and when, when when he comes back, she's dead, and she, she's like, yeah, but she died happy. <laughs> she's dead, and Knuckland is like, she died. Yeah. I think maybe I give her too many pills. Yeah. But she was, but she, but she was smiling. Yeah, and then the idiot goes to fix transfoot and breaks it. Right. Yeah. Which I don't know how you fix a poorly. That's another thing that doesn't make sense. But anyway. This so is now he's... something that physical therapists do, Tim. They fix prosthetic legs. But he said it was a bad fit, and so then he's jacking around with like the ankle joint. <laughs> Dude, what not, is he gonna do? Not where like... it fits to her leg. <laughs> yeah, and so he breaks so, it. Yeah, he it's breaks like, it. Now he's this, indebted to her. This doesn't fit. Let me see if I can rip this off. <laughs> oh, I can. And so after he feels, yeah, indebted to her. He feels responsible. So he ends up carrying her around and yeah. doing her work for her. Yeah, her we get like, and, uh, and we find out that because they're they're taking food around to people. So we find and we find out that there's a small Olive Garden also. Yes, and you know what they say there? They say when you're here, you're a small family. Yeah. So so basically, she's taken upon herself to take care of the the people that need taken care of in this. I don't know. It's not a shanty town. I don't know how to explain it. Favela. I guess it's it's the othering of the many people, the, the people that don't have anything. That apparently it is the othering. Yeah. Yeah. They go in. They take this bus through the wall to go into Leisure Town to to clean the apartments and do I don't know the whatever needs done. And uh, so then it's introduced that yeah she's taking care of these people because there's no one to take care of them. Matt Damon diagnoses some small ringworm. Yeah, yeah. And we get we get a collage of Matt Damon doing a, a ton of different things with her. Yeah. But in like And she's telling everybody that he's a doctor. It's like he's a doctor. <laughs> He'll fix you. Yeah. yeah. And in a few weeks' time, 
he ends up at Christoph Waltz's place again, and Christoph Waltz finds this hilarious that Matt right. Damon is now oh, a yeah, Loves it. Right, right. <laughs> and so then he's like, well, we're going we're gonna to rescue you. And, and here's the thing. So, like, everybody keeps telling, like, Matt Damon how good of a guy he is. But he's, like, looking to get out of his admittedly self-caused right. position to her. He's looking to get a weasel his way out through someone else instead of just being like, hey, I've done enough for you. He's like, oh, no, I got to go with these guys out of the country. Like, I'm sorry, you know, and, which I don't know. Yeah. So the three of them, Udo Kier, Matt Damon and Christoph Waltz, they sit across the table from uh, Tran. They tell her, oh, we're we're all first. She just thinks it's Udo Kier and Christoph Waltz that are leaving for yeah. two weeks or whatever. And they're like, oh, no. Matt Damon has to come with us because because yeah. he's been uh, helping you so well. We need him to help would've... us now. That's like that was their reasoning. Yeah, and so then you know she gives this. Uh, she demands to come. She gives this speech that's supposed to you know you know really be heart wrenching. But honestly, at this point, it makes no sense. Who who could give a shit? Right. Oh, so they yeah, say because, because the scientist wrote her a letter and it was really heartwarming. And whatever the hell she says, they end up on the boat together. They're going to go to Norway to the first colony. Right, because that, that's Christoph a big deal. Waltz has a business, like some business with them, which never comes up again. Like, And then she's like, oh, well, I've got an open invitation to go there because that guy recorded. And so, like, I'm going with you. And they're just like, okay. Well, well he does have some business. Uh, so... When when they like zoom out on the boat when they're arriving in Norway, there yeah. are bottles of Absolute on yeah. the deck. Yeah. Is that what that was? Yeah. yeah. I, okay. You know what I thought those were? I thought those were just regular sized double A batteries, and that's what was that's what he used to power his boat. Like I just no. saw the end of them, like the canister. No. And I thought those were like the ends of double A batteries. I'm like, oh, okay, he's powering his boat with no, those. No, no, there were there were. Absolute vodka bottles and something else. I'm not, I'm not okay. sure what the other thing was, but yeah. Okay, so I just want to stop it here to say that um, this is the best part of the movie, and and the, and the height of the movie is the the characters uh, Matt Damon's character and Knockland's character, um, and and the juxtaposition of those two. So. Matt Damon entered this world for very selfish reasons. Well, he, yes and no. Okay, so he did it for his wife. So, but like the, right, the point right, was right. to take a very little bit of money and to, and to use it to live a life of leisure. He didn't renew his license because he didn't intend to work. Um, he just he just wanted to 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 benefit. Like he was partially sold on on that. Um, Knockland. Um, got into this uh, situation because she was protesting in her village that, that her village was flooded by the government um, and villages were destroyed and people were killed and they lost their homes and everything that they had. And, and she was shrunk against her will, put in a box and sent to America where everyone else died. She lost a leg and she could have used her celebrity. Like she's been invited all over the world. She even spent a little bit of time um, doing nothing, and instead of doing nothing, 
what did she devote the rest of her life to? And uh, the, the amazing thing is uh, Alexander Payne managed to uh, make it so where no one could give a shit about any of that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's because you guys are cold-hearted bastards. Um, it, I it, 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 could it's not, beautiful I seeing could not she, believe how much she, of the movie was still left at this point. She I mean, brought food. I felt like I was on a tiny boat. She like she <laughs> cared for so many people in that shanty town. She did not need to live in that shanty town. So, so you have two different like people who are dealt. Very different circumstances, but Matt Damon enters this world in a much better circumstance than her. Um, she could choose a life of leisure too, but instead she chooses the serve. Yeah, I so, wish she would have chose a uh, four-way murder suicide at that yeah. uh, table when they were trying <laughs> to tell her they were and, leaving. And that's what this movie is about. This movie is about what you do with your life. Um, in that way, like, are, are you just a consumer looking to fill yourself with pleasure and good experiences, or do you live to serve others? And also, it, it has to do with class and othering, and and um, so it's, it's not necessarily like a communist uh, criticism. It, it's it's just like um, it shows that even in in, in utopias, in fact, it'd be anti-communist. You know, yeah. like I don't know what Payne was trying to do, but he showed well, that like even in this utopian society, like there's still like this. This uh, this underclass that that emerged well, so, very quickly, right? So then there's the twist of the movie, which is apparently Antarctica released, and basically Antarctica, the entire continent of Antarctica farted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. well, yeah, because Matt Damon wakes up one morning and comes to the to to the you know top deck of the boat, and the small doctor who made everyone small and his wife are there, yeah, and he's he's like. How how did they get on the boat? He's just like totally shocked. <laughs> right? Yeah. Did they get there, yeah. there? Did someone throw them? Right. Onto yeah. the boat? Like, they're just there, and he's shocked about it. And then yeah, she's like, uh, he has a uh, the doctor has a tiny fit about um, the fact that there's methane gas in Antarctica, and apparently it's because of some reasons which. They don't explain, but the, all the smartest people in the world did the math, and yeah. it and like, screwed. They have life dinner. is going to die. Yeah, they have the dinner that night where he tells them, "Yeah, we're all." And you know, so the downsizing was too little, too late. But they've got a plan B, which is like there's a, like an actual uh, seed bank, right? Where they've like hollowed out a mountain somewhere, and they've got like seeds of plants and stuff somewhere. Oh, I thought they meant they've also got real life. Semen. Yes. They've also yeah. got semen. Yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> Waltz, don't well, uh, Udo yeah. Kier and Christoph Waltz. But, you know. but I'm saying in the real world, there's How old a place is Udo Kier? Right. He's like in his seventies and he's like, Oh yeah, I gave him a semen. Sample. So anyway, so they're, they've built a mini, uh, vault mm-hmm. where they're like, okay, so we're going, we're the original, people in our and their their children and whatnot and so we're and we've got all these shrunken animals and we're just gonna go down however long underground and we've got artificial light and you know plants growing and everything and we're just gonna seal ourselves off from the world and we're this is how humanity will survive and and they're like maybe in ten thousand years we'll come out yeah right. ten thousand years things will be fine maybe and we can come back out and Matt Damon's like oh this is what I want to do and it's hilarious because now we get to the 
uh, you know, the three different characters. So you've got the idealist, the, the Norwegian guy that's like, this is how, this is the solution. He gives, one thing he, gave, he gives a brilliant speech. Right. About we're going to please, please trust me again. And we've gone through all this. We're going to go in there and this is how this is the future. And we're going to this is how we're going to save the world. And then you've oh, got Christoph Waltz, who's like, they're going to go in there and in three months, they're going to all kill each other because they're going to go crazy being locked underground. And that's stupid. You know, the yes, everybody's going to die, but it's going to be in the future. So what does that have to do with us? Let's just keep living our lives. And then you've got Tran, who's like, there's people right now that I need to take care of, and I'm going to go take care of them. So. So then Matt Damon's got to choose and he thinks, no, I want the great big thing because every stupid decision I've ever made in my life has brought me to this point and there must be meaning behind it. So therefore, that means I'm going to go in there. Right. And, you know, and she's. It, this yeah. is a problem because uh, when they were still on the boat, <laughs> um, Matt Damon gives uh, her a unlicensed tiny stump massage and <laughs> right then they have a little sex right and right which is supposed to be like a dramatic moment but it's just ridiculous uh it's kind of funny except the joke goes on for way too long and uh and it ultimately doesn't matter she's like do you love me or not and he's like well i respect you that's not and- that's not what she says well, it's the gist of it. You you can f- you feel free to, to <laughs> reiterate it. I know Thomas liked that line. So well, no. So, so I thought this was insanely stupid because there were what twelve different types of sex that you can have. Eight, 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 eight types of fuck. Eight I'm types sorry. of fuck. All and, the fucks. And they discussed the different types of fucks. So you can have revenge fucks. But most important, you can have love fucks, right? Yeah. And I that that was that that was just dumb. Yeah, there, there was absolutely no and, point to it. And then it his response was like, "No, that's not true. Actually, it's much more complicated than that." So he's like saying, "No, there's more, you know, like there are, there are more are, nuance just, than just eight. Like okay. there are more types of fucks that you can have." Uh, I don't know. to learning about that. Um, right. So uh, he wants her to go with him into the hole in the ground. Yeah, but she has no intention of going down with a bunch of crazy Norwegians and burying themselves underground. Matt Damon's going to go. So uh, Tran and Crystal Waltz are standing there waving by. He starts to walk down there and he meets this one guy and briefly talks with him in the tunnel. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't. What does he? What does he tell Matt Damon? That it's they're gonna have to walk uh, for eleven, 11 miles. Yeah, eleven, 11 hours. hours. Eleven which, hours. Which exactly. half of it is uphill yeah. to keep the flood waters out? Should it flood? Yeah, and screw walking eleven hours. And Matt Damon is like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So <laughs> he turns around and walks to the exit. And when he gets to the exit, it's about to close, and he can't get his carry-on little backpack out of it, yeah. and he's forced to leave it, but manages to squeeze out. And then and they're like, it's going to blow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to blow. Like the, the physical it's like a lady finger going off. 
Yeah, like they're ridiculous. like it's gonna blow, and so he runs out of the way, and they hide, and they and they all like duck down, and it's like, like this little like, yeah, it, it's just small explosion. Yeah, yeah it's so stupid. <laughs> uh, but but what what I got after what the fact is guns, and that, that that's pretty much the end of the movie, right? They get back on the boat, and that's the end. Would have been nice if it was the end. <laughs> yeah, would have been. <laughs> He says he he goes to her and he says it was a love fuck, and which you know okay, great kill me now can this please be over? But no, there's another ten minutes in which we go back and find out that he's learned Spanish. Oh that. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, because they're 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 back in the little shanty town and and he's still going around. And the last scene is he gives a, a to go plate of food to a guy in a wheelchair. And the guy says, thank you, I'm hungry. And he starts walking out and he turns and he looks at the guy and he looks at the guy eating and he kind of smiles. And then you hear the horn honking because she's he's taking too long because he's he's, he's a sad sack. about everything he does. And so what 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 it hit me the this morning is I was for some reason thinking about this stupid movie <laughs> that. So they tried to make a movie about materialism and Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what, but so here, here's it. it, This is almost an unintentional gospel message. A little materialism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's missing Christ. It's missing Christ completely, but basically the, the, the whole point of downsizing is not shrinking yourself. It's shrinking your focus. And so what, Tran does is she's not worried about the world's problems, right? She's not trying to save the world. She's trying to save one person at a time. She's trying to do what she can in the moment. And even Christoph Waltz was talking about, you got to need, you you need neighbors, right? You need neighbors. Uh, And she's actually being a neighbor in the biblical sense to people, right? She's looking after their needs. And that's, I mean, not, not, she isn't not in the biblical sense. I didn't say had relations in the biblical <laughs> sense. I say she was being a neighbor in the biblical sense. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, I'm just saying she doesn't get to know them. So you know, she's biblically. She's she was, serving. She others. was banging all the people that she was helping. <laughs> right. Right. Did she take an oath? And <laughs> <laughs> Timothy, I'm totally with you. I'm loving this. And. But I don't think that was the point that they set out to make about this movie. That may I think be- it was supposed to be like these broad things. and Because it's like the movie ends like Christoph Waltz is just going about his life as he always was. Because it doesn't matter if the world ends. I'm going to do what I can to make money and what, what, what. But his way of life has not been rejected in any way. He's... I mean, he was the only interesting character in the whole freaking movie. He was not portrayed as a villain. He was just kind of portrayed as a jerk in which he even admits that he's a jerk. But he's like, but the world needs jerks. He's like, you need a jerk right now for somebody to tell you the truth. But you're a pathetic person. And it's like, I, I totally agree with that. So I, I think these, the, like the ecological stuff, even the idealistic scientist is like, it's no use. Too this little, too purpose. late. Yeah, like. Uh, but maybe we can do this thing and, you know, enough of us can survive. And, um, uh, I, I don't know. Like I, 
All right, so I mean, so, it can't be about that because, like, like it's crazy. Like, the Earth would be a terrifying place if we were all five inches tall. Well, the only the only think well, about all the hazards, right? But I, I guess the only thing is, you know, if all life dies out on the surface, then the people can come back up and they can repopulate it as a small. But the weather systems are still going to be full size. The raindrops are going to be deadly. Well, and if all organic life dies, then then what what is there to live off of on the surface? Right. Well, they've but, got everything. But notice they, they say that, it, like in in, they're able to like be outside in Norway only because they're like, well, you know, we're close enough to the ocean that there's no birds, because like no they didn't bring up birds because you know the mosquitoes and the birds would freaking kill them. Well, did you notice when they when the bus pulls in to the shanty town area outside the wall, there was netting above it, and there was like a dead blackbird. Okay. Just sprawled on top of the netting. Just Does that there. Smell good? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the kids are all out playing outside and stuff. And, uh, yeah, like, so, I don't, yeah. <sighs> so, so, so I don't, so I think one of the reasons I wasn't completely bored with this movie is that it felt, like, one part of it felt incredibly Scandinavian to me. The, the, the idea that, like, I think that one part of the big message is that we shouldn't be materialistic and that there are people that are willing to give up and sacrifice everything because we have to do that and we have to do these things together. And blah, I don't like some sort of socialist Scandinavian fucking bullshit. But anyway, two things. Crystal Waltz is great. His character is, is the, his character is the true hero of the movie. <laughs> Number two. Greta Thunberg is 100% right, and when everyone dies in about two decades, I'm going to be so happy because I'm rid of all of you. <laughs> also, there was, no, I... there was no warning about the amount of dudity in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> there, I, saw, I saw a few penises, I, I must say. Yeah, but, but, I mean, there's no vigor in this movie. Let's be clear. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, they couldn't have downsized that. No. No. There's... No. Okay. Any other final thoughts? So, so give it a letter grade, guys. Uh, Ryan, letter grade. There, there, there's no letter grade. Do not watch this movie. The only yeah. thing this movie accomplished was uh, something I didn't think possible, but uh, getting me to wish that there had been a giant fire during production of this movie. <laughs> what? It's over two hours, right? When the run, it was like two hours uh, and two minutes or something. Yeah. Good golly. Yeah, they couldn't have cut out the sunset scene where they showed a sunset in real time from like, <laughs> I think that scene started at noon. Right. And then just watch the sun go that, down. That scene was beautifully shot, but we get it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's like a rock on the horizon. It's, it's, it's their last sunset. In it's not guys, last guys listen, listen. There's nothing more beautiful than a sunset on film. Yeah, but you don't have to show it in the entirety. You can cut to it when the the sun you is. Have, you know, know, a sunset in real life, but it's two not thirds of, <laughs> two thirds of the way above the rock. But no, it's like Con- up in the sky and slowly sinking it's like yes we get it and one thing we didn't mention is that once matt damon decides he's going to go into the shelter and then they cut away the next scene 
He's in a robe playing a bongo drum. Yes. Yes. Like he's gone native. I know. It's funny. This is a not funny. funny movie. It is well directed. It is it is well cast. The performances are good. Um, the performances. Are I would good. say the the, the I, line I that B. I give it a B. The, the line that Christoph Waltz has. Watch it when he when he goes into the corridor to go into the hole, and she starts to cry. He says, "Don't worry, nothing he ever wants to do ever works out for him. He'll be back." <laughs> And that's exactly what happens. And he's like, see, I told you. He yeah. can't do anything he wants to do. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a D. <laughs> All right. Uh, a plus. Uh, guys, do you have anything else for this episode? No, we're done. Thank you. What is it? Guys, we finally show? watched the movie that had enemas. How are you not into this? I, I think we have made a discovery that poop isn't everything, and that there's more to life. It's funny. This was one of the saying? worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it, right. is, uh, it absolutely is. All right, everyone. I do not care about any of those characters. <laughs> Take care. We'll see you again next week. Good night and good luck.